What was that? Who's there? Is it a big, white, fluffy man that's on my roof that's giving me presents? No, it's Off the Top Podcast. What is up, everybody? You know the name. You've heard the voice about 8,000 times. It's one of your two favorite archaeologists, Jordan. Julian, how you doing? Doing pretty good. At, at first, I thought you had stumbled over and you needed some life alert, but it sounded like you got an intruder coming to your house. So uh, we'll make sure to to give him some good facts about holiday traditions on today's episode. Exactly. And being that the holidays are here slash around the corner slash always, you know, happening, I think that this would be the perfect time to talk about some of those traditions that you think oh, why do I do this? I don't know. But we've done the research, so we can tell you why. And I'm I'm going to be completely blunt and honest. Some of the history for these traditions is just not my cup of tea. I think they're extremely bizarre and funny, um, but we're going to share them with you and get into some of these holiday traditions and why they're around, essentially. Exactly. And so one of my favorites that I wanted to start with first, Julian, is the mistletoe, the famous yet infamous mistletoe that, (laughs) you know, that weird guy tries to pull on everybody. So the thing with... Yeah, there's there's no chance you're going to catch me under mistletoe. And if I am under mistletoe, I'm taking that thing off the wall and putting it in the trash. Julian doesn't play games, everybody. (laughs) Let that be known right now. Don't get him in the mood. But so the mistletoe, the hanging mistletoe in the home is actually an ancient pagan practice adopted by early Christians. And the word itself is Anglo-Saxon. And the tradition of kissing under the mistletoe originated in England. And each kiss required a berry to be plucked until there were none left, which absolutely doesn't make any sense to me (laughs) i i am sorry but that is why i threw it in the trash it's pagan it's related to witches like i can't do that and i when i read that too i was like what what does picking the berries mean i have to kiss someone for like what is the purpose there yeah i think somebody just kind of got thought that they are going to be slicker than everybody else and we're, we're going to trick them if you add this weird rule to it then people will just go along like no dude just you know it's not about the kisses it's about the berries man we got to pick these berries <laughs> yeah i once again christmas holidays this time frame these traditions are just odd like the idea of you know taking the mistletoe of all things um and making that something that you know represents fertility and compassion and making people kiss under it during these certain few weeks it's a little weird for me but if you're into that thing great that's that's awesome for you i applaud you exactly julian what is our next Christmas tradition that we are going to shatter our listeners hopes and dreams with this one is going to be stockings um it's kind of there's two stories I found that it can be related to um one sad one you know kind of just the regular parent tomfoolery type thing but um you know those stockings you leave them out and one story is Saint Nick um, Santa Claus, Papa Claus, big old Fred with a beard down the street, um, helped a poor man by dropping three gold balls down his chimney. And these gold balls 
um, this gold medal somehow landed in the stockings hanging over the fireplace to dry. Um, one, I'm skeptical. I don't know how this gold is bouncing perfectly into these stockings and why, you know, this one guy was like, you know, this is a great idea. And that's spread throughout the world. Not sure. But I mean, it makes things a little bit more festive. What if I told you it would make sense if you had to pluck a berry every time somebody threw something in your socks? Not a chance. And that that rolls into the other idea of stocking, which, you know, on December 5th before St. Nick's Feast, um, kids would leave out their shoes and put hay in there. And, you know, the magic and the believing of Christmas was that they would wake up the next morning and St. Nick would have turned this hay into treats and coins, if lucky. Um, once again, don't know exactly why, you know, this hay was turning into treats or coins and why St. Nick really wanted to to do, give people some value for their hay. But, hey, there it is. If I could, if my logical brain could wrap around that and give some sort of reasonable answer, I think it would be the fact that Santa Claus has a lot of hungry reindeer and doesn't probably have time to go to the hay bale store. So he takes them out of the shoes. Fair trade. He'll drop in a nickel or something or candy. And then that's how the economy works. So if I had a reasonable explanation, if a five-year-old was to ask me, that's what I would tell them. I'm sorry if you guys are, you know, upset with this or offended by us ridiculing these. But you have to, you can't be in your right mind if some of these aren't just ridiculous. Uh, We've mentioned two so far, many more to come. But there's just no direct correlation where I'm like, oh, that makes sense in any of the um, the research that I did. And maybe that's just because of the innateness of traditions and the fact that it stems from something and then morphs into something else. And then the morph thing is what we use. So this isn't necessarily a sardonic or us just lampooning Christmas traditions in themselves or holiday traditions, but it's more of, you know, painting the light of, so this is what this tradition comes from and comparing it to what the tradition is now is just like, what, what was this leap that we took between then and now type thing? So no, there's no, you know, there's nothing comedic about it, but the fact of comparing the two how it started and where it is now. Yeah. And speaking of leaps, we're going to talk about Christmas trees. Um, and the, the leap to Christmas tree was just an odd, it was very odd to me. And so um, the evergreens, you know, the evergreen trees you see here have been used long before Christianity itself were you, was conceived. So people would have like ever, evergreen bows, you know, in their house and evergreens in their home during winter. And this would symbolize, you know, plants would return in abundance in the spring as they do once the snow melts and, you know, everything grows back. And then at some point, um, people, you know, brought in these, the trees, um, a little bit larger evergreen and started decorating with apples to make them represent the garden of Eden. I was like, okay, I guess I can see a little correlation there. Still not a whole lot. Um, and then they, Queen Victoria was the first to do like the fancy decorating and putting like, you know, nice 
ornaments on the tree and that just lit essentially a wildfire and everyone wanted to decorate their tree and bring it into the house regardless of religion Um, it was just you know another way to decorate and get festive and now there's 30 to 35 million trees sold every year for christmas in this you know six week period if that's not a marketing scheme that just killed it i don't know what was yeah it's truly phenomenal that for six weeks there's 30 to 35 million trees that have been you know grown and harvested to essentially be thrown out and put on the side of the street in six weeks i should have done research to see what happens to christmas trees once they're thrown out but for the most part i believe they just like get turned into firewood maybe by like the boy scouts if they pick them up or just go to a dump worst comes to worst they are trees so they turn back into dirt i believe (laughs) but (laughs) another christmas tradition that kind of is in the along the same lines of something that you know started that now is absolutely huge and makes a ton of money is christmas cards so this story goes like you know takes place back in the day so around 1843 this guy named sir henry cole and an artist john horsley basically created the first Christmas card to like having helped set up the public records office, or now we know it as the post office. And they encouraged everybody to use its services basically. And the first cards cost a shilling, which if you aren't from 18, the 1800s, what that means (laughs) is that it costs about six or so pounds or in like probably dollars it'd be like eight bucks so it was expensive and then you would also have to use a stamp too which is 40 pence or probably like you know a dollar to 80 cents and so eventually you know the printing technology advanced enough to get those prices down but once that happened they became so popular in like 1860s and then by the 1900s now everybody uses them they've spread across europe they're all over the americas and they also come with people's dogs and faces on them so there is that another great commercialization um, and profit so if you for some reason ever receive a christmas card from me jordan or if jordan and i do christmas cards for our fans don't count on it. I'm sorry. Just know I'm not smiling at any of those photos because I know I spent $300 to get those printed and sent out for people to put into some drawer that they'll never look at again. A real Grinch, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to to go to the Grinch route, we're going to talk about, you know, the Grinch stealing the cookies or Santa's cookies by the tree. And this was another just kind of odd odder idea i thought it was going to be like pretty simple straightforward like oh you know they gave they put these snacks by here because saint nick liked to eat and the more he ate the more presents you get but alas i was i was wrong so the cookies by the tree comes from the norse mythology Um, if you aren't familiar with the norse it's uh loosely related to the vikings um odin had an eight-legged horse named schlepnir and kids would leave treats out so that Odin would favor them because he, they fed his eight-legged horse Slepnir. 
And that was kind of where it started. And then it picked up again in the the Great Depression when it got really popular to showing, you know, to be really grateful for someone, you know, helping you out or giving you a gift or getting presents, which was a very interesting twist from an eight-legged horse being fed to being appreciative for gifts that you have. Wow. That's, I feel like that's a, that's one of those where it kind of, just with the, similar to the Christmas card one, the leap, granted, you first have to believe in, um, you know, that type of mythology. But if you were to start with that premise, I don't think the leap is too far on that Christmas tradition or that holiday tradition, so to speak. Yeah, I'm more of a believer in Belschnickel than I am in the eight-legged horse slept near, but that's just me. Well, Belschnickel's the people's champion, and that will go without needing to be said. And so I want to jump into the Christmas carols. And so the carols were sung and danced to praise and like for joy in pagan times. And the practice of carol caroling, like carol singing, carried over into the Christian era. Weird. I felt like we've, uh, you know, deja vu. And carols have been written through the centuries, but the most familiar to date, obviously, are from the Victorian times. And, you know, the popular ones are Bing Crosby's White Christmas and Slade's Merry Christmas, Everybody, and um, those type of songs. So, I mean, that one also isn't too hard to, you know, take your tradition or take where it started and bring it to here. I don't think. Yeah. And being the Grinch that I am, you'll never catch me on a doorstep when it's cold singing to strangers. But, you know, some families really bond on it and have great memories. You know, some people do it for donations and help out great causes, which is awesome. Um, And, you know, if you're into caroling, go do it. Go help a cause out. It's awesome. But unfortunately, the Grinch in me is keeping my door closed. Well, I don't think anybody expected much more than that. So don't don't feel like you're disappointing anybody, Julie. (laughs) And uh, here's one that, you know, makes this is one tradition. I don't know if it's a tradition or more of a trend that makes sense to me. Um, For a while, there is a certain class of people who were, you know, style inclined and couldn't dress properly. So had really terrible sweaters that were festive and holiday themed. And, you know, in the hilarity that it is and how bad some of these sweaters were at one point in time, people thought they were, you know, actually pretty cool, has now turned into, you know, your local ugly Christmas sweater party or pub party or whatever it may be. And now people, you know, rock their ugly Christmas sweaters and have a good time. Pretty straightforward to me. And that's one I just added because I was like, yep, that makes sense. It's funny. There's no weird, you know, other connection to it it's just there and you know it's a trend that's caught on and people do it that's nice i mean that's that seems like a fairly straightforward way about you know doing it and so if we're going to take a step in the in the kind of the goofy julian and not that a lot of people know about this before i was you know before i researched this specific one i had no idea that it was a thing but julian have you ever heard of the christmas pickle <laughs> I, I unfortunately I, I haven't heard about the Christmas pickle. Well, uh, how about after this podcast, you send me your address, and uh, you'll definitely have a good Christmas. 
So let me let me preface this Christmas pickle. Not a lot of people know quite sure why it is, exists at all. But the premise of it basically was in the 1880s, Woolworth stores started selling glass ornaments um, coming from Germany and somewhere shaped like, you know, various fruits and vegetables. And it seems like a pickle was also one of the selection. So around that time, the Christmas pickle was very like an old tradition in Germany and that the pickle was the last ornament hung on the Christmas tree. And then the first child, no, 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 get this. And then the first child to find the pickle got an extra present. So (laughs) the Grinch in me loves the Christmas pickle right now. That is ridiculously funny. Yeah, no, honestly, I, it's, it's one of the most strange things and I could totally be telling something false because I've never heard of the Christmas pickle. I've never found a Christmas pickle in my life. So I don't even know if this thing's real, but this is what the the good old internet is providing for my knowledge and your enjoyment. If you guys are wondering what a Christmas pickle looks like, I'll definitely have a Christmas pickle photo on our Instagram at off top cast if you want to see what a Christmas pickle looks like. And I'm very I'm very intrigued on, you know, why I don't have any friends that believe in the Christmas pickle. And why I've never been invited to the Christmas pickle party, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no reason to, to be salty about it, Julian. It's a, you know, you'll get the pickle one day. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, another thing, uh, one of the most popular things in the holidays, is going to be giving gifts. And this is the first thing I researched and try to find, you know, I figured, okay, it's going to be pretty, probably pretty straightforward. Um, it's going to come from, you know, the early the early era, um, maybe um, something Christianity related, or you know, it's going to have this pretty pretty simple correlation. Once again, just didn't do it for me. And essentially, it was associated with the Magi of Bethlehem, better known as the Three Wise Men. Probably one of the toughest rap group names that was never used, but uh, you know, it was used somewhere else. So the Three Wise Men also known as Balthasar of Arabia, Melchior of Persia, and Gaspar of India, gave baby Jesus some gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this is where people think giving gifts kind of started and where it really went on. But there's no follow-up or other stories of this happening again in this kind of Christianity christianity timeline or other instances and really what a lot of people think it is was um the machine the machine being you know marketing and businesses saying hmm maybe we could loosely relate giving gifts to baby jesus to capture the the christian audience and religious audiences and then you know entice them to buy gifts to be in that similar fashion and so the more gifts they buy you know, the better they are in their standings and they will, you know, help our business. And essentially that's what happened. The machine just keeps on growing every and every year. Like Cyber Monday this year did uh, over like $8 billion in the U.S. alone um, and continues to grow. So whoever thought of that idea, another, you know, marketing genius. How dare you, sir? How dare you allude to people using baby Jesus as a weapon to make money? 
Julian, I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's, it's either, you know, using that or using the Christmas pickle. You got to pick one, right? I'll choose the more wholesome of the two, <laughs> the pickle. And, you know, these traditions are, like we said, it's, I wish I would have found a lot more just direct correlations. Um, and it's just really interesting that how our Halloween episode felt more straightforward to me than, you know, the holiday traditions have so far. Exactly. And it seems to be also a thing of Christmas now has diverged further than Halloween has from its origin. And I think that's that's why it's hard to make these tradition correlations to what it is now because of the fact that things are so much more different today when it comes to Christmas and the elements evolved than back then. And, you know, Christmas has evolved more in the aspect of what it stands for, you know, or what it did stand for back then and what it stands for today. But I totally agree that there, you know, as much as this podcast is in jest, I think what it does illustrate is the differences from, you know, at least how traditions evolve and also the tradition of Christmas in itself, how it's changed and morphed to a, you know, 21st century version of what it is compared to when it started, you know? Valid, very valid points there. Jordan, do you have any more uh, quirky Christmas traditions for me? Um, I have, I have one that's, you know, nothing I would take place or, you know, get involved in, but it is something that I feel like it's fairly popular. So the Christmas pudding or the fruit cake is another word that I would liken it to is also known as a figgy pudding or plum pudding. And it's like the Christmas staple, and it goes back. I mean, they think that it has roots in like the Middle Ages in uh, like a wheat based pottage. And so by the mid 17th century, it was, you know, matured and it was it got thicker and had developed into a dessert with an addition to eggs, dried fruit and alcohol. So they are now a thing and a way to describe it is like you know you have a 12 month matured christmas pudding with cognac and cavassier in it and if that doesn't make your mouth water boys and girls then um you should get off this podcast <laughs> and listen to another off the top podcast yeah and i mean if you know, maybe you take part in some of the traditions. Maybe you don't. Maybe you will join some of them. Maybe you'll go buy a Christmas pickle. Or maybe you'll start a new tradition of listening to off-the-top podcasts during the holidays. I think that would be probably the most straightforward and legit tradition that we've talked about during this whole show. <laughs> exactly. And we really appreciate you guys for sticking around with us and, you know, putting up with us so long and... You know, we hope you have a happy holiday and make the memories, you know, the most you can, whether that is sharing about, you know, these weird traditions you had or maybe roasting us behind our backs about us roasting these Christmas Christmas traditions. It is what it is. We don't take any offense to it. Um, if you are going to roast us, you know, shoot us an email to the off the top podcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at off the top cast on Instagram at off the top cast. Jordan, any final holiday words? 
Uh, I hope you guys have a great holidays, whatever you celebrate, whatever you're into. I hope it's, uh, you know, a really nice time of the year for you guys and you really enjoy it a lot. Uh, just, you know, thanks for allowing us to kind of do this. And the more things happen, uh, the more exciting things get for Julian and I. And, you know, I'm thankful for you guys around this time of year. Well said. Uh, Thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time.